um, themes and tone, (laughs) like all that stuff that you do, all that book stuff. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing our July Books on the Radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm great. How about you? What's new? Medium, man. Just living it. You know, I'm all right. It's summer officially, I think. It just turned summer. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm just like, okay, the countdown is on. It's becoming real. We cleaned out the baby room officially. So now I'm like, okay, it's empty. Empty, (laughs) pretty much, (laughs) except for an enormous pile of books. I'm like, all right, I need to get some shelves. I need to do this. But I'm feeling good. Um, Excited for... I'm going to try. I'm going to try to take... Do a good balance of getting things done this summer, working mm-hmm. all of that, but relax. Like I'm going to try and enjoy our last summer of as a family of three, which is crazy. I know, I know. Yeah, it, it's a big, it's a jump to go from three to family of three to four. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's scary, very. Um, yeah, I'm good. I am good. I have just been doing the usual. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I was out taking a walk on a the official longest day of the year. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's officially summer, although it felt like summer before. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just, th- things are good. Enjoying. I'm also trying to be less busy. And yes. Fight. And yes. Summer is, I don't know why it's so busy. And I, I don't even have kids at home and it's still busy. I know. <laughs> I told John, I was like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to take Lily to the pool and go to the zoo. Have we done that yet? No. We have not. Indeed. <laughs> That's okay. We've got time. We've got time. Yes. But I'll tell you what I have been doing. <laughs> and that is my loving lately. I discovered this last week while an illness ran through our house. It's called The Ultimatum Queer Love, and it's on Netflix. I ran through 10 episodes of this show in three days. I was obsessed. I still am. I was just at book club yesterday talking to the girls about (laughs) how they liked the show and like all of this stuff. I loved this show. So The Ultimatum, they describe it as as a social experiment that wants to see how many couples will get married when presented with ultimatums. This season, it's season two, it's queer love. So they all were women or non-binary. There were five couples total that came into this experiment. One of the people wanted to get married. The other one did not yet, or they weren't ready yet or whatever. And they have eight weeks to decide whether they want to get married or split up forever. Here's the twist. They also have what's called a trial marriage. So the couples split up for three weeks and live with another person's partner during that show, during that period of time. So they like the first couple of weeks they're like getting to mix and mingle, getting to know people and then they basically pair up and live with a new person for 3 weeks. And they call it trial marriage. 
First of all, I looked at Jonathan and said, absolutely the hell not. (laughs) (laughs) You're with me for life. But it was a cool thought experiment. I was like, wow, these people are brave because they're really like putting their relationships on the line. It gets so messy. I cannot describe to you how good the mess was. So not only in the initial, am I going to find a new partner? Am I not type thing? But then once they are paired up, they go on group dates or like group meetings. And I'm like, I would, I I just couldn't imagine like looking someone in the face like, oh, you're with my partner. Great. (laughs) So I was so invested in the outcome. I am super gullible. I was talking to a couple of people online about it. I'm like, I wanted them all, you know, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) I'm very gullible and I, I can believe in love stories quite easily. The best part though, there's a reunion. The last episode's the reunion, and it took place a year later. So we truly got to see where they are all now. Very juicy. I was as into this as I was into Love is Blind, which is like major compliments to this program. Mm -hmm. I just found out there is a season one with all straight couples. So I guess I need to check that out too. But this was the ultimatum queer love. Great, great, great summer binge watch if you're interested. Okay, awesome never heard of the show at all. Oh my God. Well, I didn't realize that this was season two. I just, I don't even know how I found it. I think someone must've been talking about it online. I was like, what's this about? And I'm like, oh my God, the mess. (laughs) But not, I didn't think, what I get turned off in dating shows, I don't like when there's these forced games. Like, um, Mm -hmm. okay, you're going to have to like, you know, tape your legs together and like run and do an obstacle course, that sort of stuff. I'm always like fast forwarding through. This just had a lot of conversation and a lot of dates and a lot of, you know, other stuff. So I was, I was enjoying it. Oh, that sounds right up my alley because I also fast forward through the dumb games. Yeah. I don't like on um, Love Island had games like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Okay, good. I have a very different loving lately. And this is, you know me and my research, something I really like to find is creative uses for things that I never thought of. For example, I have this article. I will link to it. It is the 45 genius Vaseline uses for your beauty routine. Hello, 45 (laughs) uses for Vaseline. Now, mind you, I have a small mini Vaseline sitting on the kitchen counter because I use it because for chapped lips, I love sure, it. I, just, one I like it. Have it sitting. Yes. But I'm. tell me more. 45 uses. I need to know what else can I be doing with this Vaseline? Did you find anything good? For example, mm-hmm. yes. I did not know that this Vaseline would remove gum from hair. Now, you may need that in the future, Tina. I don't oh. have kids at home. I don't know. I mean, I'm not oh, going to get gum in my hair anytime soon. But there you go. This would get removed gum from hair. Also, a lash as a lash serum. I did hear that. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I didn't know that. Is there castor oil in Vaseline? Because if if so, I've heard castor oil is good for your lashes. Good question. No, I don't know. This is petroleum. It's 100% petroleum oh. jelly, right? Okay, so maybe that does the same thing. I don't know, but I didn't know. I've never thought about putting it on eyelashes. So anyway, I'll link to it. Check it out. I love finding new uses for things that you just don't even think about. So that's my loving lately for this week. 45 genius Vaseline uses for your beauty routine. Now, how did you come across this article? 
researching for our newsletter. Ah. Because you know I spend a ton of time in all places of the internet looking mm-hmm. for things that I think our patrons would find interesting. And that and I found this was something I just came across. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Renee's talking about our weekly Patreon newsletter that we put out every week. And in it, there are links. And I'm not the links person. I'm not the researcher. Just because uh-huh. I, I'm in the... <laughs> I can't. I couldn't possibly. I would not know the first thing to Google unless I have a topic. And then, of course, you know, then I can do research. But like, I'm like, fun links. <laughs> That's what I would be Googling. <laughs> so th- I'm so thankful for you. And it's entertaining for me, too, because every week I'm like, oh, what sort of like new stuff is she going to come out with? Because I, I really hope our patrons do check on those links because they're so, so fun. Um, but yeah, OK, that makes sense now. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, I have a technique. I won't give away all my secrets, but for this particular one, I, I wasn't obviously Googling Vaseline usages, <laughs> but I go to different places. So this was, I found this via realsimple.com. Okay. So a lot of times I go to that. What That's a website that I check because they have a lot. And then from there, I just, you know, I start Span. looking yeah. what's in there health and beauty, what's in their food, what's in their entertainment. So there's a method to my madness of research, but that's how I came across this one. Oh, I love, I loved Real Simple. I used to subscribe to their magazine for Same. years, years mm-hmm. and years. I still like that physical magazine feeling, but yeah, I, it's just too much waste. <laughs> I would not like end up looking <laughs> at. All right. Well, good. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing that. I, for my latest read, it's actually not my latest read. I read it about a month ago, but I am bringing Beryl Covington and the Limits of Style by Paul okay. Rednick. And I'm so, okay. so happy to discuss this book for you. I hope that by my sharing it, more people get past the long-winded title and find their way to it because <laughs> it's so worth it. It is a funny and thoughtful story about two men from very different walks of life who meet each other in college. They're both at Yale. And Farrell is known as devastatingly handsome and insanely rich. Yet, he manages not to be a snob, unlike the rest of his family. The story is told largely through Nate's eyes. Nate is an aspiring writer from a middle-class family, a nice Jewish family in New Jersey is how they describe it. And he immediately becomes sucked into Farrell's orbit. The book opens when they're in college at Yale, but we also follow as they come together and get pulled apart over the course of half a century. So they go from Yale to New York City and LA and beyond, and they get to experience life against the upheaval and social change of the last 50 years. So fascinating to see just how different things obviously progressed throughout that time period. This book paints what I assume to be a realistic picture of the freedom of gay life in the 1970s Manhattan, to the Hollywood closet, to the AIDS epidemic, and the profound strides of the LGBTQ plus community. I love these two characters. I love them. And a lot of the book centers on Farrell. And sometimes I get sensitive when I'm reading and they're like, oh my gosh, this main character is so smart. They're so amazing. And you see none of that on the page. No, I loved Farrell. I could see why people were attracted to him because he's funny as hell. Like I was laughing out loud. Couldn't, and you know, maybe I should stop saying that. I don't often like laugh when I'm reading, but this author made me laugh. 
The author himself is a playwright, and I think a lot of this was autobiographical in in a sense, like some of the experiences, especially Nate went through. So, but he's a playwright, and I found his dialogue to be spot on. It was never cheesy. It was cheeky. It was funny. I'm not a theater person, but I think if you are, it would help you love this book even more because a lot of Nate's adulthood is spent in the theater. Farrell and Nate spend time exploring their sexuality. There are a couple of open door scenes, but there's also betrayal, found family, illness, and travel. And more than anything else, it's about two people finding a way to love each other despite their differences and despite all the obstacles that get thrown their way. This was such a unique story. I'm so glad the publisher sent me a copy, Atria, because I don't know if I would have found it if they had not sent it to me. I was like, what book is this? It's kind of got this illustrated cover, really long title. Mm -hmm. I was kind of being a snob with it. (laughs) But I promise if you sit with them, give them some time to grow on you, you're going to love this story. This was Farrell Covington and the Limits of Style by Paul Rudnick. Okay, good. I'm actually going to do that one on audio. I heard the audio is good. Okay. And I think it would be really funny because, again, the one of the narrators, I believe he narrated this, or there's only one narrator, but I believe he narrated the Cerulean Sea, the house in the Cerulean Sea. Oh, okay. Anyway, somebody was asking me, so I was like looking him up. But yeah, I thought it was really fun. Okay, good. All right. My latest read is one of my summer bonanza picks probably at the top of my most anticipated list, and it is Everyone Here is Lying by Sherry LaPena. Comes out July 25th. So this one is not out yet, but let me tell you a little bit about what it was about in case you forgot. It is set in a neighborhood, a safe neighborhood. It's called Stanhope, and it's a place for families. And in this neighborhood, you have William Wooler, He's a family man. He's a husband. He's a doctor. And on the surface, he is a successful guy, loving husband, but he's having an affair. And that affair in the opening scene goes very wrong. It ends horribly. He's not happy and he shows up, you know, back at home. He leaves the hotel, goes back home. It's the middle of the day. He decides not to return to work. He wants some alone time because he's, you know, not happy. But at home, he finds his nine-year-old daughter, Avery. And we come to know pretty quickly that Avery is a bit of a struggle. He tells us, like, he is not happy to see her. He lets her know he's not happy to see her. What are you doing home? He's definitely like grumpy, all of that. And turns out she got in trouble at school, so she didn't wait on her brother to walk home with her. Now, things transpire. Something happens. And hours later, Avery's family declares her missing. And all of a sudden, Stanhope does not feel so safe. And William isn't the only one on the street who's telling lies. So the question becomes, who took Avery Wooler, what happened to her? So you know I love a disappearance story. This was <laughs> this was a very propulsive popcorn thriller. I do love a popcorn thriller. I have read all of Sherry LaPena's books, and this is very much in the vein of how she writes. You will be pulled in. I was pulled in. Overall, this was exactly, for me, like eating 
the entire movie theater tub of popcorn. <laughs> the entire thing. It was, it's delicious. It's fun. But then after I was finished, I was not very happy. I was very <laughs> dissatisfied. <laughs> that is how I can describe this reading experience. And the reason that this did not work for me, because I'm just going to say, I'm probably going to be an, one of the outliers on it. At least so far, the reviews are really strong. But on the one hand, it's an excellent plot-driven book. I was I binged it. I'm just not happy with several elements of the story. One in particular has to do with Avery and her age. So mm-hmm. I can't say mm-hmm. anything else about it because it would be a spoiler. But I have huge issues with it. Huge. Enough for the fact that it bumped my rating way down. I'm probably going to land at a three star on this, which is not where I want to be with a Sherry LaPena book. But I would love to talk to you. I think if you like popcorn thrillers, I think if you like disappearance stories, yes, give it a try. But expect to suspend your disbelief to the point of excessive levels, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's, it's, you've really got to suspend disbelief with quite a bit. I think, it, I think that's where it lost me. So sorry if I'm, I'm being vague. This didn't end up being for me, but I will still continue to read every book that she publishes. It's Everyone Here is Lying by Sherry LaPena. Man, I know. I feel like I so far finished two summer bonanzas, almost done with my third. I loved two. One was DNF. So, you know, I can't, can't yeah. complain. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I had very high expectations, I know. which, you know, some know. sometimes those pan out and sometimes they don't. But uh, like I said, I'm going to be an alternate opinion because I have a feeling that this is going to be really popular. And sure. I know a lot of people are already, have read it and have already loved it. So, you know, compare, you know, just compare reviews, I guess, and see what you think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. So for Book Talk today, we're chatting a little bit about book club. And Renee and I are both in several book clubs, both as a part of Book Talk, et cetera, and in real life. So we thought we would share a couple thoughts about being in book club, particularly how to have a successful book club conversation. So through Book Talk, et cetera, we have two. One is our bi-monthly Book Talk, et cetera, book club, where we gather together on Zoom and discuss a book that has been voted on by our Patreon community. And this week coming up, as we're, we're or when this episode comes out, we're going to be discussing Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. We also host a monthly read with Book Talk, et cetera, community read. And this is just a chat via Discord. So it definitely has a different feel. But I really like that because I'm just, you know, all of us are kind mm-hmm. of bouncing in throughout the month, sharing thoughts and then chatting together. And this month we're discussing Feral Covington and the Limits of Style because I love it <laughs> and I wanted to. <laughs> and those are books we vet in advance. So we already know like if we liked it, what we want to talk about, all of that. And we actually are going to link to our Amazon store where we've posted all of our previous book club and community read selections. So you can head back through there and, you know, read along if you'd like. Renee, tell me about your experience with book clubs. Yeah, I enjoy book clubs. I've been in past book clubs that I'm no longer in, and I, and then I'm in a current book club. I love getting together to talk about books, whether it's online or in person. And I think that, okay, if I had to pinpoint 
what is something that that would make a successful book club conversation? I think you have to go in with a plan as far as questions. They can go from being simple to more complicated. And I think that you need a mix of both. Mm -hmm. For example, you have to get past how did you, or did you like it? Yes or no. Uh (laughs) You have to, I think you have to dig a little deeper. So maybe, maybe start with themes. I think that themes are something that everyone can kind of use as a jumping off point and or if you start with if you like did you like it then i think you have to go further with why did you not like it or why did you like it and then kind of head into character territory plot territory mm-hmm. um structure territory for me like i would like to talk about all of that all of those aspects especially if it's a really interesting premise like mm-hmm. time travel or i don't know or like a multiple character perspective with a really like horrible person. Like yeah. what made that person so interesting or what made that person so boring? Yeah. I don't know. What's your take? Yeah, I completely agree. I'm in two. One's with some college friends and we meet via Zoom and the other one's with my neighbors that meets in person. And both have a very different feel to it. Obviously one's on Zoom, one's in real, you know, face-to-face and My neighborhood one is a bit newer, but I loved getting the chance to meet and chat in person every month. Like you said, I love chatting books. I don't care what it looks like. Like Mm -hmm. we do it all the time. So it's nice to have multiple outlets to get to do that. I would say both my groups are pretty relaxed. Usually one or two people haven't finished the book, but it's not, you know, they're not like, don't tell me anything. They just go with the flow and it's okay, which I think is important if you're going to be a book club member. I think it's okay not to finish the book. I think you should try if you can't. Be okay with people talking about it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like there's nothing worse than it's like, oh, don't tell me that. Or like, we're here for the book club, right? But that hasn't happened. None of the my book club friends do that. Naturally, though, some book clubs generate more conversation than others, which I'm okay with. And and then sometimes it's fine to just bring one that's a little bit more of a thriller, like, oh, what did you think? Did you who did you think the killer was? Whatever. Other times I really do want to dig deep. We did notes on an execution and we were just talking about how some people didn't quite love the book, but they loved some of the discussion we had around it because there was so much to do that you Mm -hmm. could really dig into with that. The way that we do book club in real life, I think is a little different. I kind of like it. So what I do is I will, and they usually kind of go to me for this, we'll recap the plot a little bit. So I'll bring the book, usually physically in front of me, and I'll just say, okay, you know, in book one, we, we meet this character, we learn this, we do this. Yesterday, I was trying to plow through the discussion, I'm sorry, the summary, and then have people share, but people couldn't help. They were like diving in like, oh my God, I was so surprised. So I think next time I'll just say, okay, the beginning is this. What'd y'all think? And let people go from there and then guide the conversation that way. So it's not so much the themes, and certainly that comes out, but it's more so here's what happened. Because sometimes, as we all know, you finish a book, it's like, great, on to the next, on to the next. You're mm-hmm. like, what the hell was that book about? <laughs> like, you, you sort of forget. So if you're finding that maybe some of your book club members forget what the plot was or like you're missing some of the finer points, try that. Try going through and recapping a little bit of the plot because I thought that was helpful. That is a great point, actually, because I have not thought to do that. 
And you're right. By the time people get together, a lot of people have read that maybe a month ago. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah. D- especially yes. depending on the types of readers you have. Like us, my God. <laughs> like there's no telling mm-hmm. how long ago we read it or, you know, and sometimes right. it's right beforehand. And so even so, I don't think it's that tedious because I, I like to hear you tell me about a book that I just read. Like tell me what happened in this first section. It jogs my memory. I gave my neighbor my physical copy. We read All That Is Mine I Carry With Me by William Landay. I gave her my physical copy to read. <laughs> she was laughing at me. She's like, you have all these little like check marks and like little like corners <laughs> turned down. She's like, I unturned your corners. I was like, that, that those were important. <laughs> so it was funny. I still knew what I wanted to say on that. But I would say, if you want to really dig in a little bit, and you don't have to do this. This is only if it brings you joy. This is not like book club. This is not like a book report. I love annotating. So I'll like turn down a corner if I can't find a pen or write, wait, what did, What about this character? Or what do we think about this? Or like, is this a comparison to X book? I like those little notes. Or you could do it in your phone or however you prefer to, to take notes if you're into that. But especially if I'm running the discussion, I find that to be helpful. Okay, good. Something else I like, I think it's, important if you want to have a successful conversation with anyone, whether it's just book club or one other person, is be okay with hearing that a book that you loved was not loved by other people. And it's okay. It's to do. It's and to and do. it actually will make the conversation more interesting. I think it's important not to like trash it as far as like be constructive. Okay. Yes. So if I loved a book and somebody else did not. I want to know why. Like, let's like talk about why. And then I can get a chance to talk about why I did, why I loved it. And maybe they obviously had a completely different take on the story. But I think especially when we love books, we kind of find it shocking when other people Uh don't feel the same way. Right? 100%. And I am guilty of this completely. Not every book. I mean, certainly there's a lot that I'm like, oh, yeah, I see why you would say it dragged here or here. That's why I don't pick books that I am not open to taking criticism about because I don't want to discuss. And these are like three books. There's like a few. (laughs) Like it's a very small list. So I'm, yes, I'm taking that in. But I think you're absolutely right. It's helpful if it's a book that you're not like maybe emotionally attached to. Like maybe don't Mm -hmm. bring your all-time favorite because you might walk away like, damn, like, People kind of had good points, but I don't want to see these points. Sometimes you just want to love what you love. Um, I will say if I hated a book, I won't chime in first. Like, I probably won't be the first person to be like, oh, my God, you're right. Be constructive. Like, oh, it was terrible, this Mm -hmm. and that. Be specific, too. Why didn't it work? I didn't like the structure. I didn't, you know, the themes, the plot, whatever it was. I couldn't get into it. And that's okay, too. Like, you know, but bring something constructive. Some of my favorite book club conversations, actually, though, are books that I'm almost ambivalent about. I'll give you an example. The Rebecca Mackay, I Have Some Questions for You. Mm-hmm. We did that as a BTE community read in our Discord. and I was very, very ambivalent about the book. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But discussing it with other readers, some who gave it five stars, some who gave it two or three, was awesome because I could see all everything. It helped me appreciate it more. It actually bumped up my rating a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you're reading, you can get into your feelings, you can get into your own personal experience. Maybe you're at the gym when you're reading or, you know, there's other life things going on and there's just elements that are interrupting your flow. But 
having the ability to go to book club and discuss a book, I think helps you see new elements that you weren't thinking about. And sometimes it helps me appreciate it more. Rarely does it make me like a book less, I think. Isn't that strange? Yeah, I would agree. I think sometimes the most interesting conversations come from books that we don't like or books that we are ambivalent about. Yes. Because also that can take you into territory of, here's what I was expecting and here's what I wish would have happened. So also you can learn a little bit more about your own reading tastes and the reading tastes of others by hearing about what they go into books expecting and what they do or don't like about plot structure or topics or characters. A lot of people don't like an unreliable narrator. Yeah. I personally do. So that can that's a fun conversation to have as far as what did the author choose to do that was different or unique, whether they had an unreliable narrator, whether they had an omniscient narrator, how did that work? I've had a lot of behind the scenes discussions about indiscretion by Charles Dubow and Mm -hmm. the fact that an omniscient narrator was used in that story and not everybody, not everyone loved that. And, and some people had some criticisms of that. And I haven't even, I had really hadn't even thought about particulars about that. So it's interesting. And I think, I think like looking at books critically is where we're landing Mm -hmm. on how to have like a successful conversation and to be open to discussing like pros and cons, ups and downs and mm-hmm. all the things. And what's really great too about doing book club with people that you come to know, you come to learn your own reading taste, but I'm also learning the taste of my fellow book club members. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. And, and granted, a lot of, the, I do some of the choosing, not all, but some of it. Um, So I know, okay, they're starting, we do better with this type of book. We might shy away from this type of book. I suggested for next month, The Whispers, but this is a tip, I would say. The Whispers by Ashley Aldrain is very triggering for a lot of readers. It's got a lot of mention of um, miscarriage. And so mm-hmm. I was very clear, like, hey, is anybody sensitive to this? And they were all like, nope, <laughs> totally fine. I'm like, okay, good to know. Like, you know, and I'm I'm glad that we were open enough to have that conversation. But it's important, I think, if you're picking books, don't surprise <laughs> know the re- other readers in the group like don't mm-hmm. if you know they're like kind of sensitive readers like don't bring the whispers but like if you know they can hang there's some really really good stuff that you can discuss there right. how, do how do you guys pick your books we are currently so whoever's hosting will throw out two choices mm-hmm. and then everybody has to vote on those two choices well whichever wins is the book do you know in advance who's hosting next so like if i'm hosting next okay because mm-hmm. here's my problem. I would come to book club and be like, oh, crap, it's my turn. What two books? I'd be like, uh, I've never read a book in my life. I can't think of anything. <laughs> like, I'm so bad at on the spot picking oddly. Like, this is strange. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, somebody says they're hosting and then that person has two days oh, to great. go and research. <laughs> okay. and just No, they don't have to pick on the spot. On the they spot. Have, two books. Right. They go. have about two days gotcha. to then send their choices out okay. Okay. via group text and Got then everybody you. votes. Now, great. Tina, what? you would not be able to come to our next book club. Why? Do you know what book you know what book was chosen? <gasps> no. no, don't take me. It's Hello Beautiful and I don't want to hear Hello about Beautiful. it. It's Hello Beautiful. I don't want to hear about it. I don't care about you your can't opinion. Come. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do, I do, I do. 
please don't ruin it. (laughs) Please don't ruin it for me. Um, No, I like that. I like that idea of having two and then having the folks vote. The way that we do it on One Book Club, we have a list, a long running list that we've kept for now a couple years at this point of books that we think we might want to read at some point. And so what's nice is then you can almost put holds on those books. And like, especially if it's buzzy, like you'll you'll, you'll get some time. The other one, uh, we're still newish, so we've just kind of I've picked a lot, <laughs> quite frankly, which is okay. <laughs> I know I'm we're probably tough book club members to have just because we're so enmeshed in the process. Mm-hmm. But last, yeah, that's really it. Last thing I would say to generate good book club conversation or how to discuss books you liked, disliked, or were ambivalent about is Google book club questions. It's okay. They're probably online. Honestly, there are so many great. Mm-hmm bloggers that have like book club questions for X and like they will put some questions out in the universe for you. So I just think it's fun to like have that handy. Come up with your own questions, of course, um, but also, you know, Google questions. Like yesterday, for example, I guess I shouldn't say what we talked about, but because of one of the plot points in the book we read, it was a very kind of almost controversial social question that came up toward the end. And I was Mm -hmm. so glad. I was like, wow, we got to discuss this. The other one, Notes on an Execution, we talked about the death penalty. Very interesting. And like, again, you you it depends on the club. It t- depends on the people. But sometimes, wow, you can have some really deep conversations from that. Oh, for sure. I would say our most chatty book conversation so far mm-hmm. has been over Beautiful Little Foals by Jillian Cantor. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. Okay. Yeah. I think ours has been Notes on an Execution by Danya okay. Kukovka. Well, good. Hopefully that helped you, you know, formulate some of your in real life book club conversations. I'm so thankful to have my book clubs. I think it's a really fun outlet. So if you aren't in a book club, literally one of my neighbors, that was like one of the first things we ever spoke about. We said, hello, <laughs> who are you? You know, you just moved in. Great. And then she asked me, are you a reader? I was like, girl, are you ready for this conversation? <laughs> and turns out she was. And like, then she listened to the show. So anyway, hey, neighbors. I know right. you, some of you might And it listening. only takes one other person yeah. to start a book. Like you and one other person. That's I know. It. That's how it was for my other book club is me and my friend. I literally was in COVID. I was like desperately asking, Can somebody please join me for book club for my birthday, please. I asked all my <laughs> friends. No one said yes except my one girlfriend from college. But now we've got like a solid five or six. So it can grow. Yes. Okay, good. All right. I'm out of breath. Sorry. If you hear me panting, John's okay. probably going to do a great job editing 90% of it. But once in a blue you're going to hear me panting. And it's just because there's a human nested inside of me. <laughs> but I'm going to start with my first July book on the radar. I cannot believe it's July. I can't either. I can't. No. I'm really excited for this one. It is called At the End of Every Day by Ariana Reich. And this is a debut. And it's perfect for fans of Ian Reed, Jeff Vandermeer, and Julia Armfield. You know anything about those authors? You know we're getting weird. <laughs> we're weird. going into weird say, territory. I only know Ian Reed and weird came to mind. Yep, exactly. Same for the other two authors. Weird in a way that I absolutely enjoy. Mm-hmm. This one is set in a theme park, and it's about Delphi, who spent years working at a vast and iconic theme park in California after fleeing childhood trauma in her rural hometown. But after the disturbing death of a beloved Hollywood starlet. On the park grounds, Delphi is tasked with shuttering the park for good. Meanwhile, two siblings with ties to the park exchange letters trying to understand why people who work there have been disappearing. 
And before long, they learn that there's a reason no one is meant to be seen behind the park's curtain. What happens when the park empties out? And what happens when Delphi, who seems remarkably at one with the park, is finally forced to leave? This is a novel about uncanny valley, death cults, optical illusions, and the enduring power of fantasy. It's mind-bending, but it's in an eerily familiar landscape. We've all been to an amusement park, right? We can visualize like a Disney, Six Flags, that sort of element. Mm -hmm. But what happens when it shuts down? What happens at the end of the day? I am super intrigued. She, the main character, begins to question the guests that start to arrive, her boyfriend's erratic behavior, and ultimately her own sanity. Say no more. Yes. Mm -hmm. Say no more. I'm into it. I really like the cover as well. So give it a shot. I actually got it for a read now on NetGalley, but it's probably expired by the time this airs. But I was so delighted. It's called At the End of Every Day by Ariana Reich. Okay. Oh, that sounds intriguing. All right. My first book has one of the best covers for summer. The best covers. The Sunset Crowd by Karen Tanabe comes out July 4th. Oh, is that cover? Take a second, pull it up. It's stunning. And I love the storyline. It is about fame, fortune, love. You can't have them all. Ooh. All right. This is about... L.A. darling Evra Scott, and she is the daughter of an Oscar-winning director and a Brazilian bombshell actress. And Evra is the city's reigning style queen. During the day, she's at the helm of Sunset on Sunset, which is a store beloved by Hollywood's young and beautiful. And at night, she's on the arm of Kai De La Fer, Hawaii's hottest export and the screenwriter of the moment. Then you have another character, Theodora Leah. She is the 20-something Paramount assistant who looks like a big screen star, but her sights are set firmly behind the scenes as she fights to become a movie producer in a town where sex and sexism sell. Now, Theodora's got talent and she's got instincts, but she is not willing to wait. Luckily, getting ahead by any means necessary is L.A.'s mantra. Now, on the sidelines, observing it all, you have B. DuPont, a photographer for Rolling Stone and Vogue who never misses the party, but always keeps to its fringes. A Manhattan blue blood turned West Coast bohemian, B. holds Evra's sunset crowd together. She is also Kai's oldest friend, and she's harbored a not-so-secret flame for him since they met at an elite Swiss boarding school. Hello, potential love triangle. Hello, Hollywood. Hello, drama and fame. I am here for all of this. In the end, no one can stay on top forever. It's not long before Theodora's unrelenting ambition sets in motion drama. I'm going to leave it there. This story is going to take us from Rodeo Drive to the French Riviera. I totally want to go to the French Riviera in the summer. It is a story of survival and reinvention and of faking it until you make it. So this was The Sunset Crowd by Karen Tanabe. Mm, That sounds wonderful. Doesn't that sound Mm -hmm. so good? Mm -hmm. Sounds like your kind of book. The cover, though, is, yeah, it's pretty Mm -hmm. up there. It's pretty amazing. Along the same lines of fame, fortune, juiciness, we've got Do Tell by Lindsay Lynch. 
This one comes out on July 11th. And it's about character actress Edie O'Dare, who finishes the final year of her contract with FWM Studios. The clock is now ticking for her to find a new gig after an undistinguished stint in the pictures. She's long supplemented her income, moonlighting, for Hollywood's reigning gossip columnist, providing her with the salacious details of every party and premiere. I love that idea. Like, that's Mm -hmm. perfect. And when an up-and-coming starlet hands her a letter alleging assault from an A-list actor at a party, she has to decide what she's going to do. And, you know, what she decides to do sets off a chain of events that will alter the trajectories of everyone involved. And these are the industry's biggest names. It catches up with her now when she's on a new side of the entertainment business. Edie's second act career grants her more control on the page than she ever had in front of the camera. So she's starting to come into her own a bit. She quickly learns that publishing the secrets of those former colleagues she considered friends has repercussions. And when she finds herself in the middle of the trial of a decade, she's forced to make an impossible choice with the potential to ruin more than one life. So this is a debut, and it's set in the golden age of Hollywood. There's opening nights. There's brawls behind the camera, on-location filming. And ultimately, this book is about the manufacture of the magic in movies and an interrogation or a look at who actually gets to tell women's stories. I also really like the cover of this. It gave me old Hollywood. It gave me that's all, folks. Like, kind of, Mm -hmm. like, it's really cool the way they did that. It caught my eye for sure. And this book was Do Tell by Lindsay Lynch. Oh, I like that. That could go with um, the Sunset Crowd. For real. Hollywood. They're partners. Yeah. Partners. All right. My next book, you know I love a little bit of a mystery on a cruise ship. It is... The Anniversary by Stephanie Bishop comes out July 18th. And we also really like books with novelists as characters, right? This is right up my alley. On this cruise is novelist J.B. Blackwood. And she and her husband, Patrick, have went on this cruise to celebrate their wedding anniversary. Now, Patrick is also her former professor. He's a film director. And he is a cult figure Because he was at one point very successful, very well-known. He is also much older than JB. When they met, he seemed somehow ageless. But his success has started to wane as he's gotten older. While at the same time, JB's star has risen because she is on the cusp of winning a major literary prize. In the past, her art had been overshadowed by him. But now, she is set to overshadow Patrick. However, after they set sail, it's been several days, and so far, so good. The cruise is going well. There's nothing but dark water around them. And then a storm hits, and Patrick falls from the ship. JB is left alone as the search starts for what happened to Patrick, and the truth about their marriage begins. I love this. I hope this is as good as it sounds. I'm very into finding out not only what happened to him, but what secrets was she potentially holding. This is billed as propulsive and fiercely intelligent with a swift and addictive plot. So that was The Anniversary by Stephanie Bishop. Give me a cruise ship story these days. I'm into it. So yes, good call out. Next for me is Thicker Than Water by Megan Collins. And this one comes out again on July 11th. 
Julia and Sienna Larkin are sisters-in-law, and they are connected by Julia's husband and Sienna's brother, Jason. More than that, the two have been devoted best friends since Jason introduced them. So it sounds like a nice little happy family. Mm -hmm. But to Sienna, Jason can do no wrong. And although Julia knows he's not perfect, they've built a comfortable life and family together. Recently, Jason has been putting on long hours to secure a promotion at work. So when his boss is found brutally murdered, the Larkins are shocked and unsettled, especially as local gossip swirls. Because guess what? When the boss was found murdered, he was found with his lips sewn shut. Oh, very symbolic. So a few days later, Julia and Sienna's lives are upended when Jason gets into a car accident and gets placed in a medically induced coma. Worse, the police arrive with the news that he is the prime suspect in this murder investigation. Obviously, Jason cannot respond, and Julia and Sienna are working to clear his name. And this is when they find their friendship threatened for the very first time. Sienna maintains that her brother is innocent, but they start to uncover a complicated web of secrets, and Julia becomes less certain that she's willing to defend her husband. I thought this just sounded so juicy, so kind of almost popcorn-y in a very pleasing, dark summer <laughs> way. I want to know why this man's lips were so closed. I want to know if he comes out of the coma. I'm very intrigued. And I also really like the that this kind of murder is told through the eyes of two women in their lives. So I'm curious to see how she pulls this off. Mm-hmm. This one is Thicker Than Water by Megan Collins. Okay. Awesome. All right. My next pick is How to Love Your Daughter by Gila Blum. This is a book in translation. It's a debut. It's the U.S. debut of Gila Bloom. She is a best-selling author in Israel. And really, what really, really got me was just how vivid this opening premise is. And picture this. Okay. Thousands of miles from home, a woman stands on a dark street peeking through well-lit windows at two little girls. They are the grandchildren she's never met daughters of the daughter she has not seen in years. I'm telling you, just based on that, I was like, what happened? Why aren't they talking? What, why? I need to know all the things, but let me tell you a little bit more. So at the center of this story is the woman's quest to understand how a relationship that began in bliss, a mother besotted with her only child, ended up arriving at a point of such unfathomable distance. The story will weave back and forth in time as this lady unravels memories and long-buried feelings. She will retrace the infinite acts of parental care, each so mundane and apparently benign that, when taken together, may have undermined what she most treasured. I'm interested in this, too, because it is billed as having exquisite psychological precision. To me, that, that reads potentially like literary, but also with insightful life observations. I'm really curious about what went wrong in this family. And is it possible to find your way back to each other and to a different relationship? Yeah. I'm really curious about this. It's How to Love Your Daughter by Gila Bloom. Yeah. That's a good setup. Good visual. I know. All right. Last for me is How Can I Help You by Laura Sims. And this one comes out on July 18th. I was so delighted when I saw this being published because she wrote the book called Looker. 
I loved Looker. It's a very slim little novel about a woman who becomes obsessed with another woman. It's not got great ratings, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, heck yeah, there's another one coming out. This is a razor-sharp suspense novel about two local librarians whose lives become dangerously intertwined. No one knows Margot's real name. Her colleagues and patrons at a small-town public library only know her as middle-aged normalcy, congeniality, and charm. They have no reason to suspect that she is, in fact, a former nurse with a trail of countless premature deaths in her wake. She's turned a new page, so to speak, and the library is her sanctuary, a place to quell old urges. That is until she meets Patricia, a recent graduate and failed novelist who joins the library staff. Patricia quickly notices Margot's subtly sinister edge, like attracts like, and she starts to watch her carefully. When a patron's death in the library bathroom gives her a hint of Margot's mysterious past, Patricia can't help resist digging deeper, even as this new fixation becomes all-consuming. I loved Looker because a woman just becomes absolutely consumed by her obsession with another person. She's like spying on her. It's just weird in a very oddly satisfying way. And it (laughs) sounds like this one's going to be more of the same. This is said to be taut and compelling and it explores the dark side of human nature. Can't wait. Got to read it Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. It's How Can I Help You by Laura Sims. Oh, yeah. Okay. My last pick is An Honest Man by Michael Corita. Comes out July 25th. I've brought his books to the show in the past. I feel like he is an under-the-radar author, and this one sounds so good. All right. So after discovering seven men murdered aboard their yacht, including two Senate rivals, Israel Pike is regarded as a prime suspect. He is a troubled man, infamous on Salvation Point Island for killing his own father a decade before, and Israel has few options, no friends, and a life-threatening secret. Elsewhere on the island, 12-year-old Lyman Rankin seeks shelter from his alcoholic father in an abandoned house only to discover that he is not alone. A mysterious woman greets him with a hatchet and a promise. Make a sound and I'll kill you. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So as the investigation barrels forward, Lyman, Israel, and the fate of the case collide in immutable ways. All right. This is obviously a thriller. Now, I have no idea where this is taking place, except it is an island. So we're dealing with, I don't know if they're all kind of on the same island? I'm not really sure. And I like the question about what potentially is happening. Who killed the people? What happens on the island with the 12-year-old boy? I don't know. Uh, This is a case of, I know this author writes really good thrillers. The book that I brought to the show before was his book, The Prophets. I called it um, Friday Night Lights meets Mm -hmm. Serial Killer. (laughs) So he definitely, whatever, I I have trust in him. I feel like this is going to be a really propulsive plot. It is An Honest Man by Michael Carita. All right. So both of us ended with authors we liked previously. Very good. Yes. My current read is one of my summer bonanzas that I said has been working for me. I think I have 10% left, so I'm going to barrel through it today. It is Night Will Find You by Julia Haberlin. This one just came out uh, the week that we're recording I'm really enjoying it. I am excited to see it wrap up. It's this 
dark sort of it's the book if you remember i was talking about where there is a astrophysicist who grew mm-hmm. up with psychic powers and her mom was apparently a psychic so she's using that blend to try and solve a cold case and i'm like i got to finish like i need to know how this is going to wrap up like what's what's the scoop so i'm enjoying it and i'll report back that's night will find you by julia haberlin okay yeah yeah, because I had the I had the interest of the psychic for that mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. My current read is Still Life by Sarah Winman. Now, this has been recommended by many people I trust, specifically Leanne Hale. She is on Instagram. I'll link to her. Um, she had such a great review of this book. And I have been waiting forever on the audio. And here's the weird thing. I got the audio finally on Libby. And I started it and it said, you know, still life narrated by the author. I almost turned it off. I almost turned it off. This is a fiction book. I almost turned it off. And can I tell you, I now I'm going to report back. I'm about 35% into this. Can I tell you, I am shocked. This is one of the best audiobook narrations I have ever heard. Ever? Yes. I'm saying it now at 35. I could change my mind. <laughs> But that's where I'm saying it right now. This is about quite a lot. This spans years, but it is about this guy, Ulysses. And in the opening scene, he is in Italy. So he's in the war in World War II, but it it doesn't stay there. It ends up going back to London. He's from London. Um, he's a British soldier. There's also Italian characters. I I cannot set this book up very well right now because it's really hard to describe. This is a straight character-driven story as to what is going to happen when you put together a bunch of friends and strangers who are brought together by love, war, art, and the ghost of E.M. Forster. It goes between London and Italy And it also spans between World War II and the 1980s. Lots of years, which you know I love. I, so far, at 30%, am so into this story. The fact that the author is able to give everyone in the story their own unique voice, literally, in the audio, it's fantastic. I already like these characters. I'm already worried about what's going to happen to them. And I hope... I hope it's going to turn out well, but I don't know. So I'll report back. It's Still Life by Sarah Winman. Mm, That was on my list from years ago. So I will be excited to hear what you think. Okay. Well, hey, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc. And me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Depends on how many pages it is. (laughs) Am I going to read? 218. Okay, I could be in. (laughs)